Parish, it's Tuesday, November 7th, 2017. Welcome back to the Iron College Basketball Podcast. I got Matt Norlander with me, and I, I suppose the big story today in college basketball originates at, at CBS Sports. I reported earlier today that uh, Ron Bell, a longtime friend of Georgia Tech coach Josh Passner, is the man responsible for providing impermissible benefits to Josh Akogi and Todrick Jackson, the impermissible benefits that led to the suspension of both players and is the reason they're not in China right now with their teammates getting ready to play UCLA on Friday night. You might remember that last, I guess it was Thursday? Last Thursday, Georgia Tech self-reported that they had two players who had accepted impermissible benefits. A Kogi, a number less than 750 bucks. Jackson, a number less than 525 bucks. But they did not identify the person who provided the impermissible benefits. They only said that the person was the same person for both players and that the person was not an employee of Georgia Tech or a booster of Georgia Tech. Now, full disclosure, when when Georgia Tech self-reported that, I already knew who the person was, but I was not able to, to write it, get him to speak on the record um, until Sunday, worked on the story all day Monday, we published on Tuesday, Matt Norlander, you read it, um, I might be too close to it to, to make sense of it, you tell me, what do you think of it? Sure, and I, I'll, we'll get into details here, but yeah. I want to just insist on everyone that's listening to the podcast, if you have not read it, go read GP's story here uh, on the app or on cbsports.com to get a full uh, <laughs> full intake, and by the way, there's plenty that didn't make the story. I'll let GP decide what he chooses to uh, to divulge or not. And also, I'm gonna I'm gonna plug this uh, for those that are listening to this podcast on Tuesday afternoon prior to Parrish's radio show. The plan is for Ron Bell, right, GP, to come on your show. So if you're able to, you're gonna get to hear the actual voice of the guy that was uh, making these accusations and providing the the documents and evidence. Uh, that's you know certainly putting Josh Passner's reputation. Uh, in a little bit of a different light here. But, GP, let me just unload on my thoughts on this whole thing, and then I'll toss it back to you, and you can take it wherever you want from there. Um, the, the the central character in this, Ron Bell, I don't know I don't know if this was a court of law, if he would stand up to be a credible witness if, this, if we were dealing with any sort of like major legal case here. But regardless of all of that, he is providing documentation uh, to you of receipts of plane tickets and apparel that's been purchased, grocery bills that, you know, approach $500. Um, in the big picture with all of this, I don't really have an issue with the players getting these type of benefits personally. Now, as far as the NCAA is concerned, and obviously your story is going to shed more light on the situation for the NCAA, which is probably just taking whatever Pastor and Georgia Tech gave to them when they self-reported, um, but from the NCAA's perspective, you can't really have a sliding scale here. They've got a very minute one when it comes to $300, $600 worth of benefits and how that uh, equiv- you know, comes out to certain game suspensions. But uh, my feelings on this and the NCAA's rule book are two very different things because they, they don't want to have situations like this where you have men or women that are not officially uh, 
or even officially connected to a program and per Georgia Tech and Josh Passner, Ron Bell was not uh, officially linked. Uh, Ron would certainly tell you, uh, F all of that. I've been on the football field. I've been in practices. I've been rebounding for these guys. Like hell, I'm not connected to the Georgia Tech basketball program at this point. But you can't have uh, rogue people or boosters that are affording players plane trips, meals, uh, you know, five-day excursions at houses that have pools and stuff. Because if you do that, then it gets completely out of hand. You can't track down every single program that's doing this, and then it's a compound issue. So I get from the NCAA's point why you got to tie all that down. But in the big picture, I got zero issue with these players doing this because it's really not even that big of a deal. Like, honestly, they're going to hang out at this random weirdo Ron Bell's house. They're swimming in his pool. <laughs> photos. I mean, it's just ran- like he's got a little a hoop. You sent me a photo. I don't even think that that one is on the site yet of uh, these guys just like balling up in a pool. They're getting some food. They get a pair of shoes. I just uh, the at the heart of what Ron Bell is trying to do here. It's a big shoulder shrug for me because it's like. Eh, you're not going to cost Passner his job. You're going to make his life hell. I'm sure he he's frustrated beyond belief. And Josh Passner, who's known to not curse or drink caffeine, might be da- down in some uh, Chinese Coca-Colas and dropping mother effers all over his hotel room at this point over in China. Because uh, it's got to feel really weird, by the way, for him to be on the other side of the world while this story breaks. Maybe he thinks it's a good thing. I don't know. But uh, it is quite interesting because Georgia Tech opens its season Friday against UCLA, they're not even on American soil right now. It's not going to cost Passner's job. Obviously, it's going to set... It, what it does is it sets a precedent within Passner and attaches his reputation to, hey, he knew a shady guy. And for college basketball coaches, this has nothing to do with the FBI case whatsoever. But within all of this, it's like, yeah, here's another thing in college basketball where a coach with a really good reputation and Passner publicly... You know, he is he is seen as like this kind of squeaky clean guy, and he's almost just acknowledged and played into that image. Okay, Uh, it damages that even if uh, Ron Bell comes off as a scumbag in your story. And quite frankly, he does. He comes off, quite frankly, as a little bit of a maniac because we're talking about a guy here who was who has been friends with Passner for apparently about two decades. He's from Arizona, got to know Passner right when Passner was starting uh, or uh, finishing uh, college at Arizona and then knew him when Passner, you know, made his way onto the Arizona staff and, and all of this. And then that continued when Passner got the job in Memphis and, you know, Bell served time in prison. He's had his own issues and he's gone on record before saying Josh Passner helped save my life. And it's a totally like kind of riveting relationship story. But then there's this massive falling out and part of his reasoning is because Josh Passner didn't call me on my birthday. If you're at high school age and you're getting upset over anyone call, not calling you on your birthday, that person better be a direct relative or a romantic interest. Because otherwise, that's a major red flag from a personality standpoint. You can't be getting upset. GP, you've never called me on my birthday. I swear to God, I've never once had an issue with it. If you didn't text me on my birthday, I'd never have an issue with it. And it's just a really... Weird story. His vendetta against Passner is also bizarre. Now, there are probably details not in your story, perhaps even some details that Bell hasn't shared with you as to why there was this falling out. But clearly what's happened here is Passner had a guy that was an eager and willing participant to help out his programs, be it Memphis, but now specifically Georgia Tech. And Passner probably felt relatively good about himself that he could have helped this guy who was going through a lot of personal challenges in his life. 
And clearly, Bell was just, he was the type of person that Passner, if you could tell him now, hey, dude, Josh, if you call this guy on his birthday, it's going to save you so much trouble. You have no idea. He would have taught, he would have, he would have, Taking him to a to a trip to Hawaii to get to get out of this, but he didn't do it, and now he's he's got caught in a coach's worst nightmare. And that is, most coaches, head coaches, they in one way or another, the degree in which they are connected to these people obviously widely varies. But whether it's one, two, three, or four guys, all every head coach, especially within a top 100 program in college basketball, but even beyond that, like when you get to the mid-major level, there there are just people that are trying to attach themselves to you. One, because sometimes people just want to be like, yeah, man, I know that coach at that program. Yeah, him and I are boys. Oh, you want to see this? Look at this. I was texting with him last year. You want to see? So there's a lot of people like that. And some of those people are, are relatively harmless. But there are others that just – even if it comes from a bad place or a good place, GP, and you know this uh, plenty well, they want to help that program or that coach in whatever ways they can. And they don't even really care about the NCAA rules. Might not even be aware that they could be breaking some NCAA rules. They just want to be on the inside. They want to be in the in- inner circle. They want to be under the tent, and they want to do whatever w- they can to help that coach out in whatever way. Most people, even if they want to do that and their intentions are good, and they only get the occasional, hey, thanks, man, this, that, or the other from a coach, it's going to be enough for them. But others, they need that acknowledgement. They need that return on investment from an emotional standpoint, from a c- communication standpoint. And clearly, Pastner underestimated Bell's ability to just turn on him. And this is the worst nightmare for a coach because you have these people that surround your program. You're always just trying to keep everyone happy enough. And, and really, it's, it's, a, it's a huge task of person-to-person management as a head coach. And you can't have confidants like this flipping on you because Pastner is far from the only one. I, I'm telling you, there are coaches everywhere, head coaches throughout college basketball they know that there are people surrounding their program, right? And while those people might not have enough information to bring forth uh, serious NCAA violations, they know that they could have done this, that, or the other, and it can turn on them like this. So Pastner is really going through a nightmare of a situation, but I want to reiterate, this is not going to cost him his job. That's my opinion, at least. Uh, it has blown open the Georgia Tech situation. And I do think that although Bell is not uh, the most reliable character witness because he provided you all this documentation as proof, it undeniably, to me, damages Pastor's reputation permanently going forward, even if he never gets in trouble with the NCAA again and never does this this or whatever. Um, the fact that he was connected to this guy and he was basically allowing this guy to help the program in whatever way he could, and you can read Bell's quotes in your story, I think it's an issue for Pastor and something that he's going to have to answer to in the, in the days, the weeks, and probably even the months going forward. This now changes the way we view him, the way we view Georgia Tech, and if he had any sort of leash to begin with, obviously it shortens a little bit. The birthday thing has gotten a lot of attention. I will say this. I was thinking through it. I can't remember the last time I called anybody on their birthday who isn't my mother, father, uh, my wife, or one of my children. In fact, I think, and maybe this is shameful, but like on my mom's birthday, I think I sent a text message that said, hey, happy birthday. Love you. Um, you we're going to get dinner tonight, I hope. You know, like, it's like I, didn't even, I don't even know that I picked up the phone. Uh, on the flip side, um, I actually get mad when people call me on my birthday. Like I don't, I don't want to answer the phone. I actually let it go to voicemail and then text them back and say, "Hey, I was on a conference call. Just got your voicemail. Thank you so much. That was really sweet. Like I don't want to talk about my birthday with anybody." Yeah, which I get. I, I totally get that. Yeah. So uh, okay. So let me. Um, you actually, you also pointed out that they are in Georgia Tech. Josh Pastner, um, his staff. They're in China right now, which has complicated this story because we are operating on two totally different 
clocks. You know, uh, Shanghai, China is 14 hours ahead of Memphis, Tennessee. And so I have, you know, it, it would just, it's like right now it is, um, it's middle of the night there, right? I am local there right now as we're recording this, I believe. Yeah. Right? So I, yeah. So I knocked, I, I had most of the reporting done on this story around 1 p.m. Central. Yes. On Monday. And yet you can't do something like this without giving Josh Pastner every opportunity to explain everything, give his point of view and, and d- deny any allegation he wants to deny. And, and yet it's three o'clock in the morning in Shanghai. So like we're waiting. I, you know, I finally got in touch with people I needed to get in touch with late last night, but we've been operating on a, on a weird schedule. Let me start from the beginning. Uh, you mentioned that their, their friendship goes back two decades. As the story goes, Ron Bell is a, a Jewish guy from New York who attended college at Arizona. He is also, and this was wild. I didn't know this, but he is also the nephew of, um, of a man named, um, uh, it was a big time, uh, AAU coach in, in, in New York for, for many, many years, if, if not decades. Um, his name is Ernie Lorch and he coached, I mean, Metal World Peace, Lamar Oldham, Chris Mullen, Kenny Anderson, uh, Kenny Johnson, like a lot of players. And so as Ron Bell tells the story, when he got to Arizona, at some point, Ernie Lorch is talking to Lute Olson because they have a relationship because Ernie's in charge of some of the best basketball prospects in the country. And Ernie, you know, uh, however it happened in the conversation, makes it known to Lute, hey, my nephew's on campus down there, you know. I don't know if you know, but my, my nephew's a student in Arizona. Well, Lute's a smart guy, and he recognizes, well, maybe, you know, being having a good relationship with, with Ernie Lorch's nephew ain't the worst thing in the world. So at that point, you know, uh, Ron Bell says he's around the Arizona program. He was friends with, uh, you know, guys who played there at the time. I, you don't have to, you know, pull out a Wikipedia page to know Steve Kerr played there at the time. Kevin Long, who was a hitting coach for the New York Mets, is somebody that he knew at Arizona, and so uh, he just had a connection to the program from that moment. Fast forward several years, and he says he gets a phone call from somebody in the Arizona Athletic Department, basketball office, and they say, yo, Ron, you got to come down here someday. We got this little Jewish kid in our basketball program now. You're a Jewish guy. Um, You guys would get a kick out of each other. And so Ron... It's also random, but whatever. Yeah, like whatever. Like I'm just repeating the story. Yeah, I know you are. And so uh, he says, okay, cool. So he goes, and that's where he meets Josh Pastner. So um, fast forward a few years, and Josh is on Lute Olson's staff, and Josh and Ron know each other, and Ron says Josh would leave him tickets. And, you know, they weren't best friends. I don't think anybody would describe him that way. But, like, Josh was a coach at Arizona. Ron was an Arizona alum who had a connection to the program, known Lute Olson for a long time. They And Josh is nice to anybody. So, like, whatever. Josh would leave him tickets, whatever. Ron says that he also, during these years, was struggling with a sub, with a prescription uh, pain medicine, a pain uh, prescription medicine addiction, uh, like so many millions of people are in our country right now. And he has forever claimed Josh Pastner is the person that helped him get clean. Like Josh encouraged him to get clean. Josh helped him get clean. He says Josh quote saved my life. Uh, still, he was on probation and violated the probation. He says in a variety of ways, and it triggered automatically a prison sentence in Arizona. One of the things I learned while reporting this story is that if you're going to violate probation, don't do it in Arizona. 
because uh, he went to j- prison. He went to prison for 50 months. And when he gets out of prison, he reconnects with Josh. And now we're all the way to November 2014, where he says he flew out to Las Vegas to watch Memphis play in a tournament out there. Josh was coaching Memphis at the time. And you know, Memphis played Baylor and Indiana State. I actually remember the games. And he says he sat with Kerry Passner, Josh's wife, in those games. Well, the next season, you might remember, uh, didn't go so well. That was the 2004, no, well, oh no, well, that season, the same season, 2014-15 season, didn't go so well. Memphis finished like 18-14, and 14, and they missed the NCAA tournament for the first time in four years, and people were really starting to get on Josh Pastner in Memphis. And then in that offseason, Nick King transferred, local kid, highly recruited kid, transfers from Memphis. Austin Nichols, local kid, highly recruited kid, transfers from Memphis. So then it really got bad. And in that 2015-16 season, they lose at home early to UT Arlington, to Ole Miss, start 3-3 three and three in the American Athletic Conference, lose to East Carolina on January 24, 2016. And Ron Bell says that he got a call that day from Carrie Pastor, and she essentially said, Josh has always been there for you when you needed him. He needs you now. Everybody's turned on him. Uh, he's, you know, you know, Jeff Calkins, the columnist in Memphis, had, had posted a column that said it's over. You know, nothing official yet, but this Josh Pastor thing cannot continue. And so as Ron tells the story, Carrie called me and asked me to come. So I think that's important because as you're describing – you know, some people just want to be hangers on and around, at least according to Ron Bell, and nobody's ever disputed this. He didn't just come to Memphis to be close to Josh Pastner. He was asked to come by Josh Pastner's wife. So he comes. And that's where I met him. He was there around that Memphis team basically from February through the end of the season. I was first introduced to him by Josh Pastner. It was after a game. I think I was there working sideline reporting for CBS Sports Network. Josh says, Gary, this is Ron, my friend from Tucson. Ron, this is Gary. And he looks at Ron. I mean, I can actually still see it. And he says, Ron, tell Gary how we met. And he tells the story. And it includes all the prescription drugs and the prison and all of that. Like, he, it was, it was a, a, um, an unusual conversation, if only because I had a stranger being brutally honest with me about the lowest points of his life. Like, I've had low points in my life. And if Josh Pastor introduced me to somebody and said, hey, you know, you guys should talk, I wouldn't immediately go, well, you know, one time I, and, and say the, and share the worst moments of my life. That's, I, I, you know, that's just not the way I communicate with people. And yet Ron was very open and candid about all of his struggles and how Josh helped him through it. And obviously at the end of the season, Georgia Tech makes a coaching change. They miss on a few candidates. They end up hiring Josh Pastner. So now Josh is the head coach at, at Georgia Tech, and I, 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 I had Ron's phone number, I guess, from that original night that I met him. Like, hey, man, if you ever need anything, let me know, and vice versa. But if we ever communicated after that, I don't actually remember it. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm just saying I, I don't actually remember it. And so he was clearly around the Georgia Tech program all last year, um, you know, in team meals, on team buses, at games, locker room practices. I mean, he was around. And clearly he was around and he developed relationships with Josh Kogi and and Todrick Jackson. Now, I didn't include every detail in the story, um, but, you know, we talked on the record for more than two hours. And and so everything that was on the record is I'm comfortable sharing. And so one of the things he said, like I said, why Josh Kogi and Todrick Jackson? Like, how'd you end up in, in providing impermissible benefits for them? Because it is important to know. There is no denying that he provided impermissible benefits to those players. Like, that happened. The documents prove it. Georgia Tech has self-reported it. Whether there's more 
violations. We'll see. He claims there is, and his claims seem verifiable. How the NCAA chooses to punish, we'll see. Um, that's up to question. And how much Josh Pastor knew, if any, is 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 a very much a he said, she said situation. But there's no denying these things happen. So I said, why? Like, okay, why Josh Okogie, Tyler Jackson? Why not Ben Lammers? Ben Lammers is the best player. Like, why aren't you giving him stuff? And I thought this was interesting. He said, you, you develop relationships with people you can develop relationships with. I, Ben Lammers has probably said five words to me my whole life. Like, he, he, it was quite clear I couldn't develop a relationship with Ben Lammers. Or at least he never got a relationship developed with Ben Lammers. But he did have one with Josh Okogie. And he says Josh was teammates, I mean roommates with Todrick. So the only reason he started giving Todrick things is because he was also giving Josh things. And he figured Todrick was going to know. And so you might as well take care of both of them if you're going to take care of one of them. Which I thought was just an interesting um, little detail. After the season in May, he booked flights for both those players. And this is where the big violation is. And they flew to his home in Arizona. They spent four nights there, five days. Um, there's clearly pictures of them in his pool. I mean, they're there. There's no getting around it. And so these things happen. And the question becomes, okay, are you just somebody who was around the program and like got off on taking care of players? Or were you trying to help your the guy you called your brother, who you said saved your life, trying to help him in whatever way you think that might help him. And he says, I was trying to help Josh Pastor. He said, among other things, he said, and I'm just curious, like, you know, what you would make of this. He said, I'm not an agent. I'm not trying to develop relationships with players so that I can represent them the way some of these agents do. I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not trying to create relationships with some of these players so that I can invest their money like financial advisors do. I'm not a suit guy. I'm not trying to create these relationships so I can sell them $10,000 suits someday. I am a, I'm not a Georgia Tech fan or graduate or anything. I didn't grow up in Atlanta. So I'm not trying to just help my favorite basketball team. I'm trying to help my friend, Josh Pastner, who had trouble at the end of his tenure at Memphis with keeping players from transferring. Nick King transfers, Pookie Powell transfers, uh, Austin Nichols transfers. And Josh, for whatever reason, had trouble with that. It became a thing. And so my job was to keep his players happy and keep them, make sure they understand Georgia Tech's the place they need to be. Make sure they understand Josh Pastner's the coach they need to play for. And one of the ways to keep them happy is, hey, come out, spend a few days with us, beautiful weather, hang out in the pool, eat whatever you want to eat. Just take care of him. And when asked if Josh Pastner knew that he was doing these things, he says, yes, 100%. There is no question Josh Pastner knew. He claims that Josh Pastner gave him money on multiple occasions to help cover some of these expenses. And he claims that Josh Pastner was aware. The quote in the story is, um, Josh told me, I need you to make sure my players are happy. Uh, whatever it takes. And I asked him, whatever it takes? And he said, whatever it takes. And I guess I would say two things. Um, and then I'll, I'll turn it back over to you. Because obviously when you write a story like this, and I want to be clear, uh, the fact that these things happen, that is a fact. There's no getting around these things happen. The only thing in question is, did Josh Pastner know or not? Was he involved or not? And that's going to be a he said, she said thing, at least for right now. Um, so people have asked me, what do you think? And here's what I would say. It runs counter to Josh's reputation, but I mean that 
in two different ways. First off, it runs counter to Josh's reputation that that he would say the types of things that he's saying that Ron Bell says he's saying to him. Like one of the quotes says, Ron, if you try to rat me out, and I'm paraphrasing here, but if you try to rat me out, you're an ex-con. I'm not. Nobody's going to believe you. That just doesn't sound like something Josh Pastner would say. At the very least, I've never heard him speak like that ever to anybody privately, publicly, anywhere. So the whole thing of Josh Pastor involving this guy to take care of players and, and, and keep them happy so that they don't transfer, that runs counter to his reputation. But this also runs counter to his reputation. He is well known for knowing where, knowing everything that's going on at all times, knowing where his players are at all. If they're at a party, he knows they're at a party. If they leave the party, he knows they've left the party. Um, do, you know, what runs counter to his reputation is that two of his top three players could be out of Atlanta, off campus, four or five days, and not only two time zones west, but literally staying at, at a person he publicly described as like a family member, literally staying at their house and not know about it. That For a detail-oriented guy, that also runs counter to his reputation. And so I think you can take all that information and go whichever direction you want to go with it. Yeah. Um, can I... I, I want to just talk about Bell a little bit more here. Um, w- while the story clearly paints Bell as someone who is uh, revenge-driven and uh, potentially unstable, um, it does not discredit the information that he provided to you motivations are motivations you can question that up and down uh but i think ncaa cases are littered in history with people that have been spurned and whatever their motivations were to help the ncaa uncover violations however big or small those ultimately aren't of too much concern it's simply what evidence can you provide and here it's undeniable from a benefit standpoint and the thing we haven't gotten to yet um, before I move on with my next point is it appears as though the money – actual the actual money totals that we have here, it will probably mean anywhere from ah, four to eight games, maybe nine, ten games missed tops uh, for this season. So if, if you're just curious about how this will correlate, that is my expectation personally. As for Passner and his reputation and what – we have the, the he said, she said situation here. Um, I, I just, I'm not going to vouch for Josh Pastner. I will not do that. I will simply say that uh, Pastner has been thorough in my conversation with him over the, in the history. Uh, he like, he's like the, the commercial appeal, I think two years ago, uh, asked for a, an FOIA on right. yeah. all of his emails. Like he is very aware of, of what can be discovered. Uh, with anything that's in, a, in an official capacity uh, with him as a coach and all of his university accounts. So he's he's not uh, he's not a coach that if he ever got busted, I think would use the Patino excuse. I just don't see Josh going that route. Well, to your point, like it, it is true that um, the commercial pill 
did a, I mean, I mean, it was a thorough, I mean, they went through every email and they found nothing. Now, one way to look at that is to, I mean, they even found emails that were like, Hey guys, remember, this is a violation. We can't do this. Like it's, it, you know, it was, it was, it was interesting. And so some people would read that because I talked to, to, to people about it specific, specifically. Some people read that and say, see, that proves he's clean. And some people, people read it and go, nah, that proves he's smart. He ain't putting nothing in an email. He ain't putting nothing in a text message. So it is true that there is constant communication between Ron Bell and Josh Pastner. I've seen like dozens of text messages and there is nothing incriminating there. Cause I asked Ron, I said, listen, you say you are getting, you got this money from Josh Pastner. Can you prove it? And his, his, reaction to his question is like, how could I prove that to you? I got $500 from Josh Pastor when I was sitting in his car. Do you think I had a secret camera in his car? Like, how would I be able to prove it to you? And I said, do you have any kind of email text message that says, Hey Ron, thanks for this. What'd you do with that? You know, Hey, how are the guys? Do-? He's like, do you- Josh Pastor is not stupid. He would never under any circumstances, put that in an email, put that in a text message. So, and I have no problem saying this. If somebody is looking for a smoking gun, like that's like the, like like what Ron Bell actually said to me was he he said Gary what what you want from me is an email that says dear Ron thank you for flying my players out to Arizona and entertaining them and convincing them Atlanta is the best place for them I owe you forever brother sincerely Josh Pastor he's like that just doesn't exist like do you think Josh is that stupid and so there is not a smoking gun that's going to be able to prove that Josh Pastor what you know gave him money that Josh Pastor told him to commit violations that Josh Pastor was aware of these things there is merely circumstantial evidence right and here's I'm going to read a graph from Parrish's story here um it's here's specifically what he writes you know later that same night after that video was made and it's in reference to Pastor talking on camera about uh Bell um he said Bell said he sat in Pastor's car talking quote for more than an hour end quote while Penley uh his girlfriend waited in a separate car. He said Pastor gave him an envelope with $500 in it. When he returned to the car, he said he showed the money to Penley. I asked Ron, is that for our hotel? Penley told CBS Sports. And Ron told me, quote, no, that's for the players, end quote. Uh, Certainly it could have happened, uh, but you have to take that with a lot of of skepticism personally. Uh, Yes, it could have happened, uh, but in absence of any sort of evidence or admission, and then that's just that's clear. That's the quote of a man who now, after saying that this other guy, you know, saved his life, is now on a mission to torpedo his career. He's going to fail in that. And the irony to all of this, and I don't know if Ron spoke to you or if you informed him of this angle of it as you reported this out, and you can share however much you're willing to share because um, it might have been off record for all I know, but. In doing all of this to take down Josh, uh, he's actually hurting the players and right. not Josh. Now, listen, Josh is affected by this. Don't get me wrong. And, uh, you know, who knows if Josh is even going to try and talk to Bell again. He, he could lawyer up for and They might say, dude, dude, do not contact this guy whatsoever. No, no shot. Do not do that. But he is he's in effect, you know, caused these players that he was willing to help. And and by the way, it is just like it, this whole nature of college athletics and you've got 30, 35, 40, 55 year old men that want to just simply supply players with all this stuff. Come over to my house, use my pool. Like it's just freaking weird, dude. Like it, it, it's just this, 
I, I don't get it. I, I guess I just don't get the mentality behind that. Bell is not the first. He won't be the last. This has happened plenty of times before. It's just, That's a little bit different than doing like, hey, come work at my local restaurant, work the valet, take a $100 handshake. Like that's This is actually like flying players out to your house. They're in your pool. You're buying them groceries. You're giving them shoes. Like, I don't know. It just seems just so uh, – it's not – I don't want to say above and beyond, but it kind of is. Like you're flying them across the country to do all this stuff. Um but, yeah, does he realize that he's actually hurting the players that he was trying to help here? No, I, I, I'm comfortable saying oh. this. I, I, t- I talked to him before Georgia Tech self-reported. And you know this, I think, because I, I think I told you this previously. Um, when, when Georgia Tech self-reports, I already know what, what the violations are, and I already know who the guy is. He just was not willing to go on the record. Um, he was thinking through it, reconsidering, um, weighing all his options, um, and, and ultimately, he was motivated to, to finally go on the record, I, I think, for a variety of reasons. But but one of them is that he thought Georgia Tech tried to un- undercut him by self-reporting, like tried to minimize the possible damage. And when I talk about circumstantial evidence, there's all sorts of uh, things that fall into that category. But one thing is, and I noticed this the um, the second that Georgia Tech made the announcement last Thursday – the date, October 2nd, because they said that is the day Josh Pastor was made aware of the violations and he immediately reported them to compliance at Georgia Tech. Well, that date jumped off uh, the page to me because Ron Bell had already told me the last time I talked to Josh Pastor, I it was October 2nd, and I told him I'm going to expose him. And so the question becomes, did Josh really learn of the violations on October 2nd, or did Josh come to realize on October 2nd, I'm not going to be able to control this guy anymore. Reasonable minds. I mean, let's not BS around this. Reasonable minds would say clearly Pastor knew about this before October 2nd, which means Georgia Tech lied in a public statement. Regarding well, here's the other problem that, that they might run into. Um, I, the, the, there's 10 phone calls. And, and I, w- I want to say this too, because listen, Ron's taking a beating on this and, and, and I, I want to I want to point out some things that are true about the way this reporting went down. Literally everything he told me that can be documented. Like clearly he can't he didn't have audio recordings of a conversation where he says Josh Pastner told you nobody told him nobody's going to believe him. He just says that, and I had just have to quote him as saying this is what was said. Uh, he doesn't have a, you know documentation of Josh ha- handing him money like he says Josh did because he would need a secret camera and he didn't have a secret camera. Um, but literally everything that he said that could possibly be documented, like when I said prove it to me, um, he documented it. I mean every like he said I bought these plane tickets for Josh Akogi and Todrick Jackson. I need to see the receipts. I got them. I bought these pair of shoes for Josh Akogi. I need to see the receipts. I got the receipts. I, you know, ev- literally everything. Uh, and, and my point is this. He had initially told me the last time he talked to Josh Pastor was on October 2nd. And that's when he threatened Josh Pastor. And I said, I need to look at your phone records. And I, I got his username and his password. And I went into his phone records. And I went to October 2nd. And I looked up for Josh's number. And it was on there 10 times on October 2nd. That is the the most that they had ever spoken in one day. It's, I look back at phone records for months. It's the most that they had ever spoken in one day. And they spoke 
10 different times for a total of 105 minutes, literally all day long. It started at like 10 a.m. Eastern and it didn't end till like 11 or around, it didn't end till like 10 p.m. Eastern. Here's my point. If Georgia Tech says that Josh Pastner found out about it for the first time on October 2nd, well, you got to assume that's during the day. If you're going to self-report on October 2nd, you don't self-report at 9 o'clock at night, do you? No. Okay, okay, this is my point. So, so it, like, this is, the, this is the thing where I think Georgia Tech maybe asked a question. You self-reported us during the day. You told us it was this person who did these things. Why are you talking to him late at night? Why were you on the phone? Because undeniably, they were on the phone. And so one of the things Ron Bell says is that they are lying when they say Josh found out about the violations on October 2nd. That's actually the day that I told Josh, I'm burying you. And he knew that um, he couldn't control me anymore. And then he said, well, I better self-report and try to frame Ron Bell as a maniac. I, I'm not telling you what to believe and what not to believe. I'm just telling you those are, those are the, those are, that's what the documents show. All right. My question to you is at the heart of this, uh, kind of wrapping up how I started at GP. Um, what is your opinion on the nature of the violations as they pertain to the NCAA's rule book? And is all of this just. I hate the I mean, NCAA's rule book. I think the NCAA's rule book is ridiculous. I, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I, I mean, we've been talking about this forever. I want a system where Josh Akogi and Todrick Jackson and literally every other ath- student athlete in the country can accept whatever they uh, somebody wants to give them. So if 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 the best friend of a basketball coach says, "Hey guys, you guys want to come out to Arizona for for uh, a few days, hang out in the pool." Watch movies, go hook it with some uh, Arizona students. You know, we got nice girls out here. Might even take you over to Arizona State. You won't believe them, and uh, and then take and then go back to Atlanta. Like, caught a little vacation. Like, whatever. I'm fine. I I want all of it to be legal. And until all of it is allowed, then it will constantly be technically um, a NCAA violation. All that said, the rules are the rules, and you can't do. You're not allowed to do what happened here, and so. Um, Josh Akogi, we know, is going to have to pay a price. Todrick Jackson, we know, is going to have to pay a price. Markel Crawford at Ole Miss might have to pay a price. Whether Josh Pastner pays a price, a tangible price, is unclear. I think he pays with his reputation to some degree, and really it's going to break down two different ways. The people who want to believe that he's not uh, Mr. Clean are going to accept this as evidence that he's not. The people who believe... Ron Bell is crazy and vindictive for reasons that don't make sense to them. They're going to think Josh just got burned by letting um, a, a person he was trying to help get too close to the program. Um, and, and, and that's that. I, I mean, I don't have any, I, I, in theory, I don't have any problem with anything that happened, but it is against the rules. And when you get caught, you pay a price. And you asked me earlier, like, is Ron, was Ron Bell aware that, He's definitely going to hurt the players, may or may not hurt Josh Pastner. The truth is he would ask me a lot of questions throughout this process, and I tried to, because I felt obligated to, answer every one of them correctly and honestly. So when he would say, is this, is this going to get Josh Pastner fired? I would say, I don't know. I, I, in theory, it could, but I don't know that. It, what it is going to do is get Josh Akogi in trouble. What it is going to do is get Todrick Jackson in trouble. You know what it is going to do is maybe get Marco Crawford in trouble, and what it is going to do is get you com- 
like beat up. I, you know, I said, you're an ex-con who has a past drug problem. People are going to call you a, a drug addict ex-con. Like, that's who you're going to be to them. Are you, you, do you understand that? Like, you know, some people will applaud you for being willing to expose this. But a lot of people are just going to chalk you up as a, a, a crazed, uh, you know, a, a obsessive mate. Like, I walked him through everything. Like, you know, I the reaction today has been overwhelming, but it has not been surprising. And so um, it's it's it's. It's 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 just an interesting deal. Like it's, and you know, it's it, it was a hard story to report, a hard story to write, and you know, but the documents are the documents, and I won't pretend that there aren't people who tried to talk me out of writing it. There are people who also encouraged me to write it, but you know, I, I feel like as a reporter, no matter the subject, when you are sitting on documents from a person who is in the middle of what is now an NCAA investigation that has already caused the suspensions of, of multiple players for an ACC school, when you have access to those documents and that person is willing to talk to you on the record, it's a story you have to do. I mean, there's just there's no getting around that. And so uh, the story is done, and now we'll see how Georgia Tech uh, responds. Let me tell you, buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, but uh, there's now a better, simpler way to buy, and that's with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. Uh, they've got a seamless mobile experience that allows you to buy and sell tickets in just two taps. That's all it takes, two taps. And they're going to help you find the best seats at the best prices. That's fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like seeing, as you know, your favorite team, your favorite musician in person. And the best way to do that, to get close to the action at a great value, you use SeatGeek. I've got the app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, in my car, at my office. It doesn't matter. In the park, with my children. Just a few taps, I can easily find seats to any game concert I want to go to. Actually use the SeatGeek app not too long ago to buy tickets to a Ryan Adams show in Memphis, and I will use it again in a heartbreak. So here's the good news for you. You go to SeatGeek, download that app, and on your first purchase, tickets to anything, uh, you can get $20 off. $20 off your first purchase. Tickets to anything. You just got to download the SeatGeek app, enter the promo code COLLEGEBB, COLLEGEBB. That's promo code COLLEGEBB for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry MF and Teagle. Remember, you can subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast over at iTunes. So please do that. Rate it favorably. Write nice things about me. If you want to add Norlander, you can do that as well. And either way, I should remind you, we're doing three podcasts a week now going forward. So it's Tuesday afternoon now. Honestly, we were going to do this yesterday, but we wanted to wait till after the Georgia Tech story came out. So we might be back tomorrow. Keep refreshing over in iTunes. Go subscribe. But we'll get you three this week, guaranteed. Uh, we'll talk to you again real soon. Till then, take care.